on this episode of Adventures in Being Gifted. So opportunities really have to be taken. We have agency in our lives. We have to have a motivation to grow and to achieve and to see ourselves as able to learn. And at the same time, we have to have opportunities. So opportunities need to be, um, you know, given there, right? So those two things have to kind of work together. It's not just for today, but what does, you know, it look like in middle school, in high school, you know, maybe it's college or vocation, career, sort of where do I want to go and what path will get me there. That and a whole lot more coming up. Hello, everyone. On today's episode, we are diving into the importance of developing talent, the research behind providing supplemental programs for advanced learners and gifted students, and the positive and long-lasting impact a talent development supplemental program has on gifted and advanced learners. To tackle this topic and feature one of the best talent development programs in the country, we are speaking with Dr. Susan Corwith, from Northwestern University's Center for Talent Development. Susan is the Associate Director of Northwestern's CTD, where she presides over the center's admissions, assessment, school and family services, along with marketing and communications departments. With 30 years in education, Susan serves as a program administrator and instructor at Northwestern within the School of Education and Social Policy, where she teaches graduate courses in gifted and talented education and professional development workshops. Susan is the president of the Illinois Association of Gifted Children and is known for her areas of expertise and program design and evaluation, along with advocacy and outreach, as well as her love for big dogs, especially St. Bernard's. Her hopes and dreams for gifted children are that no matter where gifted kids are, they have the opportunity to discover their talents and fulfill their potential. Welcome, Dr. Susan Corwith. Thank you. Thank you, Jill and Jessica. It's a pleasure to be here today. We are really excited to be able to talk to you and hear what you have to share with us about um, just anything gifted. So I think we'll start off with just an in general gifted update. Since you are the president of the Illinois Association of Gifted Children and the associate director of the Center for Talent and Development, would you talk to us just a little bit about some of the latest developments in gifted education? So like, what are some things that our listeners should be aware of, but may not know about in terms of the gifted world and gifted education? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and I'm going to start with a little bit of a plug for um, being a part of the National Association for Gifted Children um, and even one of the state affiliates wherever, you know, if you're in Ohio, there's a very strong um, state affiliate there. And we in the state of Illinois have the Illinois Association for Gifted. So that's a great way to keep a finger on the pulse of what's happening in gifted education. Um, but I guess um, some of the, the big conversations and things that are happening in the world of gifted education um, really over the last you know, I'm going to say 10 to 15 years, a little longer, um, there's been a growing interest and emphasis on what does programming look like in our schools. And that shift um, 
toward more of a talent development framework, which we'll be probably talk a little bit more about as, as we go along here today. But of course, one of the most important things um, that we've been talking about and a lot that's been happening in schools is, you know, how do we know what students know, understand, and can do? How do we identify their strengths? How do we work from a strengths-based approach? And all of these things have been um, parts and pieces of gifted education since its beginning, but it's becoming more um, in focus. And I'm sure if anybody's paying attention to the news, um, there's this conversation around equity and inclusion and access. And those are really critical issues because the field has not done a great job. Um, and there are, you know, excellence gaps and opportunity gaps. And so we have to think about, you know, what does identification look for, you know, look like? Um, you know, what are we identifying and what are we identifying for? And so I think we've seen a lot of great movement in practice um, universal screening, so sort of using multiple measures, looking at all of the students that we have in a classroom or in a setting. Um, we're thinking more thoughtfully about the kinds of services that are available in school, um, thinking more with our special education um, colleagues about continuums of service, um, looking at students who have very you know, unique and diverse needs, students who are um, identified as having a special education need and also an advanced learning need. So we're really focusing more on, you know, individual students and the environments in which we're placing them. And I think there's also a greater focus on the early years. I think sometimes gifted programs were focused on, well, you know, we, we don't want to start too early. We can't really put kids in a box, but it's not about that. It's about how early are we finding out what students are interested in, are good at, and leveraging that and helping them develop their talents fully. So the other thing I'll call out, I guess, is that there are standards that exist. I think a lot of educators and parents don't know that there are national, um, from the National Association for Gifted Children, there are programming standards and educator standards, um, and that there is maybe not a, a strong uh, federal presence in gifted education, not a lot of guidelines or requirements in place, but there's a lot of state activity, um, a lot of state and local um, guidelines and laws that, that educators and families and administrators should be aware of. I, I think I've hit a, a number of different areas, but um, I think those are things that come to mind. Just out of curiosity, as I was listening to you, in Ohio, districts have a lot of flexibility within every district to kind of decide how they service their gifted students and how they ID their gifted students? Is it the same way in Illinois? Uh, it, it is, yes. Um, in Illinois, our definition looks a little different than that in Ohio, but it also um, allows for a fair amount of flexibility. And that's a good thing and a, and a challenging thing at the same time. So, Yeah. All right. Well, helping gifted students reach their full potential is really the heart of the Center of Development's mission where at Northwestern. So, Susan, will you start off with an introduction on the Center of Talent Development at Northwestern in case some of our listeners may not be familiar with this well-known, well-established program for gifted children? Absolutely. I'm happy to talk about the Center for Talent Development, or CTD, as we call it. So I'll probably reference it out of habit, out of CTD. Um, but uh, Center for Talent Development just celebrated its 40th anniversary in 2022. And almost all of those years have been under the direction of our um, of Paula Oshevsky-Kubilius, who is our director. Um, and she's an internationally recognized scholar in the field of gifted education and talent development. 
But just before um, Paula arrived on the scene and became director, we were um, lucky to be founded by Joyce Fantasco Basca. Um, so any you know educators or administrators and gifted, those are two names that probably stand out, and um, they laid a very solid foundation. And it's always been focused on what the name suggests, talent development. And we've thought about that in a holistic way. So Center for Talent Development, or CTD, has programs that are aimed at helping students identify their strengths and interests. So we provide academic challenge along with a community of peers and mentors and opportunities to develop uh, the mental skills or the non-cognitive skills that are really necessary for achievement. So we do this through direct service to students. So we have summer programs, we have weekend programs, online enrichment and accelerated programs. And these programs exist for students as young or as age four with their their families um, and all the way through grade 12. So we're thinking about this over the pre-K to grade 12 span. Um, And with, you know, in in addition to working with students directly, which has always been, you know, the major part of our work, we also have a lot of resources we've developed for parents because we think parent support and education is really important. So there are webinars and conferences and online communities. And then the other piece of what we do at CTD is services for schools and educators. So everything from program review to professional learning, practicum opportunities, um, just things like that. And it's all based on research because what's great about being at um, an institution like Northwestern is research is expected. And if we can demonstrate what works, what's, you know, sort of high quality programming, we can put it into practice here. So a few new unique things about CTD, I guess, is that we do come from this talent development perspective. We think about it in terms of talent development pathways from early childhood through high school in different domains. And um, that, again, as that research institution, we work to really think about advancing the field of talent development and what that means for effective instruction, um, you know, what that means for supplemental programming. Um, and then we are both local. So we have a really close tie to Evanston and Chicago, but we serve students the country and even internationally um, because we have been doing distance learning in some form um, since the start of the center. And um, we have residential experiences here on our campus as well. So it's, it's for me, a really rich environment with a variety of programs to meet different um, students, parents, and educator needs. Absolutely. It's such a cohesive program, which meets all of those aspects of the gift a child, which is incredible. Just for a fun fact, will you tell us how you communicated distantly or through through distance years ago, 40 years ago with your families? Yes, it was via postal mail. So instructors and students would literally put things in the mail to each other, um, you know, to, to complete the courses. So we've come a long way. We've come a long way for sure. <laughs> now, were you doing online programs and classes before COVID? Yes, yes. Um, really, I came on board in 2007, and we already had a very robust online um, set of programs. So we've been, yeah, yeah, it went online. I, I'm not quite sure when it turns from correspondence to um, to the true like technology based uh, online learning, but it's been quite a while. It's I'm sure it's in the timeline on our website, but I haven't brushed up on that in a while. And would you say your summer camps and summer programs are just as popular as your year round online programs and classes? 
Definitely, definitely. Um, you know, having a chance to come and spend, um, you know, two or three weeks on the Northwestern campus, um, studying a subject that you're really interested in with peers from around the world. Um, we certainly get a lot of uh, interest in that. And I think when I first came on board at, at Center for Talent Development, that was one of the departments I was overseeing. So I really fell in love with with those in-person on-campus programs because um, there were kids coming from from all over and just sort of the excitement around the subjects that they were learning and uh, being together was was pretty great. So with the summer programs, I'm just imagining it like a summer camp that is a sleepover type thing. I'm assuming the students get to stay in the dorms. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So when the students come for the programs, they are uh, they have the choice of residential or commuter because you know some really need and want that residential, others aren't quite there yet. So there's an option to travel to campus. But we do set up both the academic day. The students are taking just one course with, when they're here with us, so they can really concentrate and focus on that particular subject. So they are in class um, Monday through Friday for a good portion of the day. Uh, and then they have evening activities and, um, you know, time to, you know, build some downtime, but also just, you know, coordinated activities with the residential staff that's here. And then on weekends, you know, they have their um, excursions into the city, museums, you know, um, arts and crafts, exploring Evanston, the beach, those kinds of things. So it's a really nice balance between that classroom learning and the community that's created there. And then that sort of social and recreational experience and getting to know the other students that are there with you and the staff, um, because we take pride in really excellent instructional staff, teachers, teaching assistants, and so on, and the residential life staff who have a critical role in making it a, a fun and safe community where kids can really get the most out of the experience. What's it like to, to live and be on a campus or to be on a college campus day to day? Yeah. What are some of the, like you said, like they can choose the topic that they would like to dive into. So what are some of those options just out of curiosity? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are, you know, we kind of have core subject areas, everything from kind of English language arts, so creative writing, you know, literary analysis, things like that, um, to kind of arts and humanities, technology, math, science. So it can be, um, you know, a course like uh, competition math, or it can be geometry or algebra two. So it kind of takes different forms depending on what students' needs and interests are. We want to have a pathway for students who really maybe don't have an advanced or honors class in their school or school district, but also for kids who just, they love a subject and they want to explore it in a different way with other um, kids and experts who want to do that. So you'll see things like, you know, um, I guess I was just sort of saying some of those straight up math courses or detective science as, a, as one of the science courses or introduction to biomedicine. Um, there are any number of sort of core type courses or really unique enrichment or career, you know, thinking or planning type courses. Wow. And do those courses change year to year depending on kind of what is a popular topic or what interests the, the potential students are showing? Yeah, there are some perennial favorites. Uh, so certainly the ones that are the most popular stay in the rotation year to year. And there are instructors who love to come back year after year, and they continue to offer those. Um, but every year there there is um, there are quite a few new options and selections. And that's 
based on the surveys we get back from students, from parents, from educators about sort of what do students have an interest in, what's sort of new and trending, um, so that we can find some experts and pull those courses into the lineup. So we'd like to keep it fresh, but we also want to make sure that for a student who comes and says, next year I want to do that thing, they may have a good chance of, of finding that. That's great. Sounds wonderful. I want to go. I know. Me too. <laughs> What's the eighth? Four through twelve. Oh my gosh! So again, thinking about our listeners who may not be familiar with the term talent development or talent development programming, um, Susan, do you mind sharing just some of that language to just help define it or to make it more familiar with maybe some of our parents who are listening or even our educators that might be curious about this and recommending it to their students? Uh, it really is a framework or an approach, talent development. So, and it. I guess the word itself, talent development, or the phrase itself, speaks to kind of what we're focused on. So comprehensive talent development programming really incorporates a number of components. So the first one is that we recognize that abilities are domain-specific and that they are malleable, they're they're changeable, they're influenced, right? So um, domain-specific meaning not just general intellectual ability, which is, you know, one thing that we pay attention to, um, but that you may have uh, a real strength in um, mathematics or a certain type of area of science, or it may be that writing or, or verbal areas are your strength and interest. So we want to recognize that and sort of respond to that because, you know, not every individual has the, you know, strengths all across or interests all across the different um, domains. So, um, yeah, so we want to be responding to that, right? And that's what happens when we choose or think about our careers or we think about sort of where we want to go, what our goals are. We don't necessarily say, I want to be good in everything, right? We sort of pick and choose the things that appeal to us or that we know um, match uh, where, where we think we can be successful. So the malleable piece is that ability does matter. You know, our, our brains develop differently. We all sort of think and reason in different ways, um, but that we can have as educators, adults, um, a lot of influence on what happens with that ability, how much of that gets actualized, how far can students really take that? So, you know, it's not just what you're born with. It's what you have the opportunity to, to develop and what kind of influences are there. Um, so that's what we think about with talent development, you know, in what strength areas, what domains, and then how can we influence this um, with opportunity. So that gets me to that next piece that each domain of talent can have a different or unique trajectory. If you think about, you know, um, high-level, different kinds of sports or, or Olympic athletes, um, their trajectories look a little different than somebody who's maybe working in the field of psychology, right? So in sports, sometimes you peak a little bit, you know, uh, earlier, younger, if you think about gymnasts or, you know, skaters, um, or you think about someone who doesn't necessarily even get exposed to the field of psychology until high school or college or beyond, that trajectory looks a little bit different. So we have to sort of recognize that and think about when can we introduce young people to the different Know, domains and possibilities for their their studies, and at what point you know do they become expert in these things, um, and how do they become expert in these things? So that leads me to the idea that opportunities are essential for talent development. So as I said, ability does play a role; it's important, um, but even more important is exposure and practice and work with experts, um, opportunities to really hone those talents, 
um, to build those sort of mental and non-cognitive psychosocial skills that uh, are required for achievement. And then there's a little piece of talent development that, well, really good sized piece actually of talent development that speaks to, um, you know, students and their own uh, motivation. So opportunities really have to be taken. We have agency in our lives. We have to have a motivation to grow and to achieve and to see ourselves as able to learn. And at the same time, we have to have opportunities. So opportunities need to be um, you know, given there, right? So those two things have to kind of work together. And then that cultivating of mental and psychosocial skills, there's been a lot of research, and this is the work that Paula, our director, has devoted her life to is sort of what are these different stages of talent development? How do we cultivate the both the academic, you know, the knowledge and skills, but also these um, other psychosocial skills that are necessary for ex- reaching levels of expertise and creative productivity? Um, and there's so that's that last piece of really thinking about the long term. It's not just for today, but what does you know it look like in middle school, in high school? You know, maybe it's college or vocation, career, sort of where do I want to go and what path will get me there, right? So those are some of the components of talent development. It doesn't happen overnight. It's not automatic. It's very deliberate. So that's what we're thinking about with talent development. And it sounds like when a student arrives or you know, enrolls in an online class, you might take them from where they are and then they might be repeat participants. Am I hearing that right? And and you might lead them into that career trajectory, possibly, depending mm-hmm. on how long they stay with the CDT. Is that, do you see a lot That's of right. that? Mm-hmm. We've, in fact, um, some colleagues and, and Paula and I've been a, lucky to be a part of this, uh, embarked on a, some research with what we call super users. So students who got involved with Center for Talent Development programming at an earlier age or sort of, you know, um, by, by middle school and then stayed with it. You know, they had a number of interactions with us, maybe sometimes in the summer program and maybe another time in an online course. But what we've seen and we've looked at sort of the patterns of their um course taking or program participation. And there's sort of, there are a number of, and again, that's why we call this pathways, a number of different ways that students kind of go. One is that they come in and they're just, they're not quite sure yet. I mean, they're young. They don't know necessarily what they're really interested in and they haven't yet tested the limits of their abilities. And so they try, they they dabble, um, Paula likes to call it, they dabble in different things and they try out different um, you know courses and programs. And then they may start to figure it out, like, oh, I really, I gravitate toward science, so I'm going to explore that. And then they may focus in on that and start to um, really uh, narrow narrow down the courses that they take and follow that path more directly. Um, we have other students who do just sort of think complement in complementary strands. You know, they sort of start out, I'm really good at writing, but I also love mathematics, so how can I bring these things together? We think about interdisciplinary opportunities for the students. Um, and then there are students who know from day one <laughs> what they're really interested in, and they sort of pick a lane, um, technology, for instance, and they just stick with it. But by the time they get to maybe middle school or high school, they're saying, well, you know, what type of technology? Am I more into coding or am I more into sort of helping systems work? Um, you know, and so they may pursue, they get to a chance to dive more deeply into that particular domain and, and see what it has to offer, the range of that. So when we think about pathways, we think about, you know, where do students need chances to try things out? 
And then, you know, what are the, you know, sort of directions that we can give them? How can we help them plan for either narrowing in um, or sort of continuing to dabble until they find the things that, that work best for them? Well, every single one of the things you've mentioned sounds absolutely incredible opportunity for, you know, all students. So on the other hand, do you provide opportunities, professional learning for educators? Yes. Uh, We like to say that CTD is, you know, talent development for educators too. And so for those of us who are, you know, in the teaching profession, we do want to make sure that there's some access to what we know about talent development. So sort of what's that talent development framework and also, um, you know, what are some uh, best practices in instruction and curriculum. So we've, you know, put together over the, you know, the last, I guess it's maybe five or six years now, we've had what we call gifted education boot camp for educators, which is more of an introduction to what is talent development, what are the critical issues, what does instruction look like, what does evidence-based programming look like, how do I impact the standards and apply those in my setting. So it's kind of a, a, a big picture um, look at gifted education. But then we'll do, you know, for instance, we have a workshop coming up in April on assessments. So our assessment coordinator, Melissa Hinshaw, is spending time with educators and hopefully teams of educators really understanding, you know, what, what data do we have about our advanced learners? So I think for, from, uh, for our point of view, working with educators, professional learning is in these you know, places we would say we have expertise, which is talent development, above grade level assessment, you know, sort of programming design. Um, you know, program evaluation, those kinds of things. Um, so we try to offer those formally and informally. So we have a series of webinars that we do that are often free um, for educators and then a you know, quarterly newsletter on some of these best practices or where we interview some of the, the powerhouses in the field um, so they get a chance to, to hear what people are talking about. So how would an educator out of state or out of the Chicago area or even a parent you know, not local to Northwestern, find out about these awesome opportunities that you're providing, not only just for the kids, um, preschool Mm -hmm. through 12th grade, but also educators and parents, because I know you have a lot of family opportunities as well. Right. We try to keep, um, you know, keep our website up to date and and try to make it easy to navigate. And certainly if anybody's having difficulties with that, they can, you know, send us an email or give us a call. Um, but we try to lay out on the website the programs for students, um, you know, for parents and educators, um, and so that they can, you know, navigate that. I would also recommend, if there's interest, signing up to receive our you know, quarterly newsletter or to get our Educator Digest so that you get kind of updates on, on what's happening and what's new at Center for Talent Development. Because we, one thing we've tried to do since the beginning is also be a, you know, a connector, a sort of a... Um, you know, collect resources. So you may not always be able to come to Evanston uh, for Center for Talent Development Programming, but we will either try to have some opportunities online or help you find um, an organization that may be in your area that's doing something similar. Um, so hopefully between CTD and more local resources, people can, can find what they need, whether that's parents and students or that's educators. I would suggest checking out that website, following us on our social media, and getting connected to our newsletters. We'll try not to send, we try not to send too much via email. We know email boxes get pretty full, but um, 
there are lots of ways to find us. Okay. Well, I know we want to touch on assessments, but I also want to ask, um, since we've talked pretty much about the academic focus or areas and domains, um, we know that the CDT is also really um, passionate about working with the social emotional aspects of the students. Do you mind telling us more about that? Sure. Um, that's a really important part of talent development because um, we talk about challenge and support. So on the challenge side, we think about enrichment and accelerated courses and content. On the support side, we're talking about those psychosocial skills. And each stage of talent development um, has corresponding skills, um, sort of those social and emotional um, mental skills that need to be developed. So in every program that we run, whether that's an in-person summer program or an online program, we're really trying to um, make sure that the instructor, instructors and residential staff you know, understand what these skills are and different um, ways that those can be developed. So one thing for us is we talk about the importance of an optimal match. So a student who's being challenged at their, you know, in their right learning zone. Um, but when that happens, it can be a little anxiety inducing, right? It can be for kids who have maybe not experienced it in that way or, or maybe for the first time in a while hit a little bit of a wall or aren't quite sure how to problem solve because it's new to them. So those are the strategies that we're focusing on, you know, when we work with teachers or we have, you know, our expert educators and, and program staff who are saying, all right, so this is what you're experiencing. How does that feel? What are some strategies that we can use? You know, how do we work through this? Um, you know, how can you use your peers? How can you use the resources that you have here? So a lot of it's about that um, developing that persistence, that growth mindset that we hear a lot about, um, that reflecting on your own thinking, that metacognition, those metacognitive skills. How do I, you know, how... How do I learn? What does it take for me to learn? Um, how do I set goals? So each of the programs incorporates those elements. Um, you know, a lot of times people work, you know, parents and students ask us about the online courses. You know, do they, do kids interact with each other? Do they get feedback from their instructor? And yes, they do. That's important for students to get feedback, for them to, you know, sort of know what the goals are, how they're doing. Um, so all of those things are important elements. And the feedback that we give to students for our summer programs, our online learning programs, students get um, an evaluation at the end of the program. And in that evaluation, it talks about, you know, what were their real strength areas? Where are areas where they grew a lot? And sort of where are some next level challenges or what's sort of next from here? And it's both in the academic development, but also, uh, and also sort of those um, you know, different skills that we know are important, everything from being able to give and take feedback to, to work with others, to work independently, um, trying to give some, some helpful um, feedback and next steps. So all of this just sounds amazing, but it makes me think of the equity and the access. So two okay. questions. One, do you have to have a gifted identification to attend any of the CTD programs? And then also, are there scholarships that uh, families can apply for to, you know, enable their children to attend? Right. Really important questions. And we, we offer a variety of programs. So what I'll say is there are some enrichment programs and there are more accelerated credit-bearing programs. And we're always aiming for that optimal match, right, where the student's going to be challenged but not overwhelmed, right? We want them to be successful. 
So they do not have to, students do not have to have a gifted identification. They don't have to have been in a gifted program. But depending on the course, there are going to be um, admission criteria. For most of our enrichment programs, particularly for the youngest students, it's what we call open enrollment. So even though we, you know, we will say the courses are maybe covering some advanced content, they are moving at a little bit of a faster pace than a student might experience in class. We try to be upfront about what the learning environment looks like, but those are open enrollment. So if the student really wants to do it, the parent feels like they're ready to do it, good, great, go for it. Um, when it comes to sort of the middle school and high school programs, more of a, you know, advanced enrichment, we call it, we're typically looking at, you know, students um, who are performing around the 90th or 95th percentile or above on a nationally normed assessment, but we always have a portfolio application route. So if students maybe don't have those scores or their school doesn't, you know, have the testing for them. Um, or they don't go through testing that we offer, they can apply by portfolio. And um, the financial aid for you know our summer programs and our online programs, we try to meet family needs whenever we can. And what that means is we haven't put a limit on you know how much a family is eligible for. For instance, you know it may be in some programs that they say right up front that no family can receive more than 50% of the cost of tuition. That's not what we do. We look at kind of what our, you know, what financial aid is available, what that family's need is. And if a family happens to have, you know, a need for all of that tuition to be covered, then there's the possibility that that could, that could happen. So we really do encourage families to, to reach out to us and, and to find out how we can make it possible for them to attend. Well, that sounds really equitable and, and, wonderful for the different family finances and needs out there. Do you at all pull in kids from um, like local public schools around Chicago or inner city Chicago at all? Or do you just kind of rely on the kids finding you rather than you really having to go out and, and market this awesome program? That's a really good question. Um, You know, we do have to, rely on, you know, some of the marketing and, um, you know, but that's where the power and partnerships really comes in or collaborations with um, schools and other community organizations. Um, I would not say we've got it all nailed down or or perfect. Um, You know, we have relatively small staff and we don't, as I said, with financial aid, don't have endless funds, but what we do have um, is a staff that really tries hard to connect with um, schools and community organizations and to build those connections. And we are so lucky that school, the educators and administrators and, you know, um, boys and girls clubs are so committed to finding opportunities for their students and creating pathways. We have had schools that have been so generous in assigning, you know, a liaison to work with parents, inviting us in to speak to parents arranging for transportation to programs, sort of like really serving as a partner with us. So whenever we can, that makes the funds that are there go so much further or, you know, make the opportunity that much easier to access. Um, so I think, you know, yeah, we've, we haven't, um, you know, I would not say we are where we should be or, you know, where we want to be in the long term, but, I think there are a lot of um, really strong relationships and pathways for students um, you know, in 
throughout the Chicagoland area, but also in different, you know, parts of uh, across the country and, and internationally too. So, so if there are, you know, educators and, and parents who want to know more about how to sort of build those networks and connections, we're more than happy to hear from them. You know, throughout the year, the course of the year, we run um, a variety of, of webinars or seminars for, for families. So some of those, some of those are completely open to anybody. You know, we'll post them on our social media. We'll post them on our website. We'll invite families through schools to just, you know, participate if they're interested. For families who have enrolled a, a student in a program or, you know, their student has participated in an assessment, something like that, they um, have an opportunity to join our online community. Um, and through that online community, we share out, you know, articles from time to time. We host monthly webinars on different topics for parents. And those are live webinars so they have a chance to ask questions if they want to or sort of. And most of those are run by our staff. So we're working with our own expertise and our own direct kind of uh, program experience to, to speak to, to families. Um, in the past pre-pandemic, we had a conference that we would have on campus and we're going to, you know, we're rethinking sort of how we do that to, to better serve families wherever they are. Um, we have our newsletter that comes out, um, you know, periodically that we share with, with parents and with educators on different topics. Um, we've also started, you know, because of, you know, requests from parents, uh, we started doing what we sort of call family you know, pathways planning, um, where we will consult with, with families. And, you know, I talk to a lot of um, parents of, of young children who just have a lot of questions about, you know, how do I know <laughs> what my ch my children are really good at? Or, you know, if I'm seeing this behavior, what does this mean? Or this ability, what does this mean? Um, one of my colleagues spends a lot of time with families of middle school students sort of thinking about what is high school going to look like? What is supplemental programs? You know, what can they do for my children? How would I pick those? So we have kind of a combination of free services for families and then some of these paid services for families. And so we try to think about, you know, different ways that we can do that for larger groups, but also one-on-one -on -one when that's desired. Tell us about the assessment opportunities for the students who come to the CTD. Sure. Um, and actually, um, assessment was one of the very first programs that was when Joyce Van Tasselbaska founded the center. Um, she was starting a, what um, we still call a talent search uh, center. And that was uh, really based on work that she was doing, but also had come through Julian Stanley at um, Johns Hopkins University, where the idea was that um, we don't always have a good understanding, particularly when we're focused on sort of grade level content and assessments, how much students know um, above and beyond that grade level content. So for, you know, for the last 40 years, Center for Talent Development has been engaged in this above grade level assessment. So um, this is an opportunity for students typically starting around grade, you know, three um, through, you know, early high school to take an assessment that's designed for older students. And when we do that, we sort of take the ceiling off the test. So if normally if you're a fourth grader, you're taking a test you know, of fourth grade content. So what we know is, do you know the fourth grade content? And if not, well, that's about all, you know, we're working towards that, but do you know the fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade content? We can't tell from that assessment. So if they're taking it above grade level, 
we get a little bit more room to see how we should plan for your instruction or your enrichment. And so um, for years and years, the students have taken um, the PSAT 8-9, the ACT or the SAT as elementary or middle school students. And every time I say that, parents sort of, you know, go, hmm, or the kids go, I don't know about that. Um, because yes, the SAT or the ACT is, you know, traditionally used as um, planning for college, right? High school students take that on their pathway to college. So why would a middle schooler take that? And is that too much? Um, and it's really not. Um, what uh, Joyce and Jillian Stanley and others who um, first started doing this found was that it was not too difficult for the students and it was a really good window into students' areas of strength and that we could then better understand where they were ready to learn and prescribe the right instruction or the right enrichment and the right mentors. Um, so for all of these years, we've been gathering this data and helping parents and educators better understand um, where the starting is point, the starting point is for their learning and then how to plan for in-school and outside-of-school um, supports and instruction. So we've expanded that. It's changed a lot in the last few years. The pandemic was was not <laughs> kind in assessment. Um, and College Board and ACT have sort of changed some of their um, direction. And so the pipelines we had through them are a little different now. Um, but we still have opportunities for students to um, who are interested in this above grade level assessment to sign up through us to take um, the ACT or take the SAT or for um, younger students to even take the COGAT um, above grade level as a way to um, get a, another picture of where they are in their learning and what kind of enrichment and acceleration uh, would best meet their needs. That sounds wonderful. Well, thank you, Susan. We are really, truly grateful for all the work that you and your colleagues are doing at the CD... <laughs> <laughs> the CTD. And also just as you serve as president of the Illinois Association for Gifted Children. Um, we are just truly honored to have had this time with you today. So thank you so much for talking to us about talent development, the supplemental programming for advanced and gifted learners, and just all the all around professional learning that you are providing for educators as well as hearing some of the latest and greatest updates in gifted education. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for your time and the invitation to be here and um, talk a little bit more about you know subjects that I love and a program that um, I've been honored to be a part of since for, well, almost 17 years now. So Jessica, this episode is just phenomenal for parents and educators, anyone who's looking for a supplemental program for a talent development um, situation, whether it's all year round, whether it's in the summertime to keep their kids engaged and really at any age level. She said, you know, Susan said from four years old to high school age and even on to college, um, this is just a great 
program that Northwestern provides called Northwestern Center for Talent Development. And it's actually formally known as the Midwest Academic Talent Search, which, you know, we would hear here and there from former students. But being in Cincinnati or greater Cincinnati, we really don't hear about it so much, which is why we pulled Susan in to talk to her about this amazing program that they provide. Yeah. And it's it's completely accessible for us here in Ohio. It's not Chicago is, you know, not that far from here. And I love that it is connected to Northwestern and that it is research based and it's truly a rich program, which is oftentimes what our gifted kiddos need. Um, I also love the open enrollment part that she mentioned, especially for the younger grades that you don't have to have a gifted identification to attend because it is open enrollment, although they do you know, put out there that it is for higher level learning. But they do have expectations. Right. <laughs> so tell us, remind us about those expectations. Often you have to have those above grade level scores and show readiness and be willing to achieve a kind of a higher level. That's right. And I do want to emphasize that the talent development is not just a definition, but it's their approach. And I think that it is a holistic, comprehensive, cohesive approach where it hits all the aspects around a child or around a teenager or around a young adult so that there are even programs and uh, research and knowledge and resources for the parents um, as well as us educators. I mean, they really have thought of everything. Yeah. And how it's not just like a set set curriculum you have to follow from A to Z. It has those open trajectories where you can, you know, take your own path through the choices that you make in their program, which is incredible too. That's right. So for any of you listeners anywhere on the planet, take a look, check out Northwestern Center for Talent Development. Um, They also have social media, which on Facebook, it's CTD at NU. Which stands for Center of Talent Development at the Northwestern University. So definitely reach out and figure, dive into this program. Yeah. Enjoy. Let us know. Actually, we would love to know if your child goes to the Center for Talent Development at Northwestern, whether it's the school year round online program or if you go at all in the summertime, anything. We would love to hear how your experience was or let Susan know if you heard about them through listening to our podcast. Thanks again for listening to another episode of Adventures and Being Gifted. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite place to listen to podcasts to hear our next episode. Share with your friends, colleagues, and anyone you think would benefit from Adventures and Being Gifted. And we want to know what you want to hear more about. So let us know by tweeting us at being gifted pod or emailing us at adventures in being gifted at gmail.com. Until, Until next time. time.